0: The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to SWOutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Hey, guys. Hey, if I hadn't met you yet, my name's Spencer. Man, we're real glad you guys are here this weekend. It's, uh, I don't know about y'all, but it's been, it's been rich for me already. Um, it's been so good. That's, this morning was strong. Uh, so y'all know we're, we're looking at the priesthood this weekend. And what I want to look at this morning, just briefly, is I want to look at Christ as the prophet, as the priest, and as the king, and how we can emulate and mimic Christ in those roles. So, you know, when we think about these roles, we think about priest and prophet and king, we see them fulfilled in the Old Testament. You know, in in the Old Testament, there were a lot of different priests, and the priests were those who were in charge of talking with God. They were kind of like those who were a go-between between between man and God. You think of guys like Aaron, like Phinehas, like uh, Bertie was talking about this morning, like Eli. So you have the priests, and then you have the prophets in the Old Testament. And these are the ones in the Old Testament who are in charge of talking for God. They're bringing God's word to the people. Now this is guys like Samuel, guys like Elijah, and some others. So you have the priests who are talking with God, the prophets who are talking for God, and then you have the kings. Now the kings, their role in their official capacity was they were those in charge of ruling and protecting the people and providing for the people. This is guys like David and Solomon and others. These are like official offices. The the priests had certain rules. The prophets were appointed by God. The Kings were anointed by God, their official offices, but there were some who kind of in these unique little sections of history, there were a couple who fulfilled all three roles, maybe not in office, but in role. You see a couple of these unique Old Testament characters that stood out, thinking specifically about Adam and Moses. Adam and Moses, and there are a couple others maybe, but Adam and Moses kind of filled all three of these roles. Maybe not an official office, but they filled all three roles. They acted for the people as prophet, priest, and king at the same time. Think about Adam. As king, he was the obviously the king over the tiniest nation in the world. Uh, for a while, it was just himself. Uh, but as king, Adam was supposed to do the role of the king. He was supposed to rule and protect and provide. He, he basically was to have dominion. He was to fill the earth. He was to work and to keep the garden. He was to protect it from intruders. He was the king. Adam, as prophet, he was to hear God's word and then repeat it to his wife. To tell her God's law, which at the time was just obey. Adam, as the priest, he was to go to God on behalf of his wife. But we know in the Old Testament that Adam fell short, really in all three of these roles. As king, he was supposed to protect, but he fell short. As the prophet, he was supposed to repeat God's word to his wife, but he stood silently as the serpent tempted her, not acting as the prophet. As the priest, he was supposed to go before God on behalf of his wife, but instead he turned around and blamed her. He falls short. Look at Moses. Moses was prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament. You see, as prophet, he was to bring God's words, God's laws to the people, and he did over and over and over faithfully. As priest, he was to go before God, pleading on behalf of the Israelites, and he did it over and over and over. And as king, Moses was supposed to rule and provide for the people, and he did over and over and over. But we know Moses fell short. He didn't enter into the promised land. That that story comes from Numbers 20. Moses is supposed to bring the word to the people. He's supposed to pray pray for them patiently. He's supposed to lead them. But in this one scene, he takes matters into his own hands. See, God had told him to speak to a rock to provide water for the grumbling people. But Moses takes things into his own hand, and instead he speaks to the people harshly. And then he strikes the rock and says to the people, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? God's indictment to him was, you didn't believe me, and you didn't uphold me as holy, which means basically the indictment is, Moses, you didn't act like my prophet. You didn't bring my words. You brought yours. You didn't lead the people by example. You disobeyed setting yourself up as the deliverer. Moses fell short. Man, for both these guys, they functioned as prophet, as priest, and as king, and they fell short. All right, What does this have to do with us? I listened to a sermon recently. It was a pretty intriguing sermon, but it was talking about us as prophets and priests and kings. But basically, what it said was hey, you got to figure out what you are. Are you the kind of guy that's a prophet? Are you the kind of guy that's a priest? Or are you the kind of guy that's a king? And I listened to this sermon. I was really intrigued. I'd never really heard about that. And they kind of categorized them and said, okay, see, the prophets in our day, they basically, they preach. They bring the word. They're, they're the gifted speakers among us. And they said, now, the priest in our day, they're the people lovers. They're the people person. This is your discipleship pastor in your church. And they say, now, the king in our day, they're more like an administrator. They're a details guy. They're the guys that kind of rule and protect over the church. And this this sermon was kind of in the context of ministry. And after I listened to it, I kind of liked it and I kind of didn't, you know. I, like part of it, I was intrigued, but part of it, I was like, mm. it didn't like sit right with me, and I couldn't really figure out why. But slowly it started to dawn on me that it really read less like Scripture and more like a personality test. You know what I mean? Uh, Okay. To, to be real, I, I've got uh, I've got a lot of unpopular opinions, uh, and everybody does. Everybody's got stupid things they like and don't like. I just say it from the stage so more people know about mine. So, like my unpopular opinions, like I love buttermilk. Not a lot of guys do, but I love buttermilk. My granddaddy used to drink it, so I thought it was super manly. So I forced myself to love buttermilk. It's great, but I hate cookies. They're gross. They're a waste of time. I, I do not. Uh, a really unpopular opinion today is I. I hate Marvel movies. They are, all right. They are six hours long and terrible. <laughs> like uh, my, my other unpopular opinion is, uh, I do love like cheap, garbagey, gas station candy. So if you ever go to a gas station, you are like, man, who the heck buys candy cigarettes? Like, who the heck buys circus peanuts? That's me. I I mean, I love that sort of stuff. Like, er everybody's got their unpopular opinion, so let let me give you this one. I hate personality tests. I think they do serve a purpose, maybe, sometimes for some people, but I don't like personality tests, and I think it's, well, I'll I'll explain. So, when I was young, they came out with this personality test. I think I mean, it way predates it, but when my church came out with this personality test that said, hey. You're one of these four guys. You're a sanguine, a melancholy, a choleric, or a phlegmatic. And I remember even looking at pictures like that and being like, well, I don't want to be any of those. <laughs> like, <laughs> I definitely don't want to be like sassy guy. I don't want to be the really depressed guy. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to be any of those. And well, then a few years later, I remember my church went through this second um, personality test, which was basically, are you a lion, a golden retriever, an otter, or a beaver? And I thought, first off, uh, who made these categories? Like, who? What? what man is going to be like, you know, a lion, a take charge, adventurous leader, or an otter? <laughs> you know, the otter, they said, mixes easily and is very verbal. That sounds great. <laughs> Sign me up for the otter. You know, it's like, what? Uh, There's one that's really popular now, and I I know uh, a lot of folks around here do this. It's called the Enneagram test. Y'all ever heard this? (laughs) Somebody actually booed. Somebody's wife is really into the Enneagram thing. Okay, so uh, the Enneagram test is this really complex thing, and you think it's new, but it actually comes from 1915 by a guy named George Gurdjieff. Don't trust him. His last name's Gurdjieff. Um, But... It basically, the Enneagram, it links your personality. There's nine different personality types, and it links it with, like, your sub-personality, and it also links, like, uh, like your compatibility with different people. And so I hear these conversations going on with these ladies in our community all the time, like, oh, what's your husband? Is he a seven? Oh, that, that's why. That's why. <laughs> He's probably a sub of, like, two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, girl. I know exactly. You know, it's just like... What are y'all talking about? It, what it reminds me of is, I don't know if if you, like back in the day, uh, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, and we used to eat at this place called the Mandarin House, which is this Chinese restaurant, and I don't know if y'all have seen the Chinese Zodiac thing. It, that's what it reminds me of. Y'all remember those on the placemats where it's like, um, uh, so f- uh, you can't see it because it's blurry, but according to my birth year, I'm a horse. And so it says that I am popular and attractive to the opposite sex, which I can't argue with that. You know, the <laughs> it's it's Confucius. You know, but it says uh, you are often ostentatious and impatient, which he's off on that. But he says you need people marry a tiger or a dog early, but never a rat. Well, the problem is, I did marry a rat, and <laughs> so according to the the zodiac, it says divorce imminent. Which, yesterday, we've been married for 16 years. So, yeah, well. Where, where am I going with all this? I think the problem with personality, my problem with personality tests is really the improper use of them. It's basically when you start to pigeonhole yourself into one different personality. Like, Gurdjieff got, like, hacked God's design on, uh, you know, like the manual of humans. What I'm, what I'm saying is, it can be helpful for some people if you're like, all right, I'm predisposed to this, so I really need to work on it. I'm predisposed to that, so I need to avoid that. That's good, but there's also bad, because I think as humans, we love any ability to absolve ourselves of responsibility. True. We love the ability to absolve ourselves of trying to improve on anything. We love the ability to excuse bad behavior, Or we just say, you know what, that's outside my personality. I'm just not gifted for that. You know me, I, I run hot. You know, I'm I'm just not a people person. I'm just I'm just not very compassionate. That's just not really in, a, in in my wheelhouse. Now that's silly stuff, but it really that sort of thinking bleeds into our walk with Christ. Then the danger is we start doing this with the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. But more often we do it with Oh, the fruits of the Spirit, that was the first. but more often do it, with the gifts of the Spirit, where it's things like teaching, or mercy, and things like that, and we'll say, you know what, my gift is teaching, and that exempts me from serving people, or my gift is giving, I give a lot of money, and so I don't have to be that compassionate to people, we'd never say it out loud, but we feel it inside, see the thing is, <clears throat> if we're filled with the Spirit, we are filled with the Spirit, We are full of the Spirit, and all these fruits, all these giftings come. Now, you may be predisposed in a certain way. You may be gifted in a certain way, and your family and your church needs to benefit from that gifting. But that doesn't exempt us from working on the things that are harder for us or things that we're worse at. Where am I going with this? I think every man is called in his sphere of influence To mimic Christ. This is it. You above your calling to your family. Above your calling to the ministry. Above your vocation. We're called to be conformed to Christ's image. That's our primary call. And we can't let these secondary calls eclipse our primary call. We can't let a calling to any ministry or vocation. Things like that to eclipse it. And part of that call to mimic Christ is, I believe, to mimic him in the role of prophet, priest, and king. Hebrews 1, it encapsulates kind of Christ's role as prophet, priest, and king so well. Look at this, Hebrews 1, we'll have it up on the board. It says this, "Think, think prophet, priest, and king. Think Jesus as prophet, priest, and king in this verse. It says, long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. By his son, Christ the prophet, who he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power, Christ the king. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, Christ the priest. Having become as much Superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus as prophets, God used to speak through the prophets, but now he speaks through the Son. Christ is the prophet. Jesus as priest, he made purifications for sins our sins. Hebrews 7.27 says this. He has no need like those high priests. To offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Christ the king, he's the heir of all things, he created the world, he upholds the world by his power, and he sits at the right hand of majesty, superior to the angels. See, where all prophets fell short, where all priests fell short, where all kings fell short, Christ did not. He is the word, he is the high priest, he is the king of kings. Now, to understand our role, we got to understand that these roles, because of what Christ did, these roles in their official capacity are done. There's no more monarchy. There's no more king that's functioning today as the spiritual head. The office of prophet today, it's done in the sense of a new word of revelation coming from the Lord. That is done. The revelation we have from the Lord is right here. This is it. So our prophets don't speak new words, they speak the words. The role of priest, there's a reason we don't call our pastors priests today. Because the role of priest is done. Because Jesus, when he, the high priest, entered once and for all into the holy place, not with blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he secured an eternal redemption. So the priesthood is done. And Jesus fulfilled these roles in ways that we cannot, uh, absolutely. These are huge spiritual realities that we're going to talk about all weekend. But my question to you is, how do we mimic Christ in these roles? H- how do we play the role of prophet, priest, and king since our primary duty is to mimic and be conformed to Christ? Let me just give a few thoughts. As king men, we are to protect to provide for and be the representative head of our people. This is our role as king. But whether it be family, whether it be church, whether it be community. And to be real, this is the one we identify with most. This is the one that, to be honest, is easiest. You know, this is kind of like the lion in the personality test. And you know, if you're like, hey, guys, you got to be king. you got to be the protector and the provider. We're all like, heck yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to be king. We're going to be protector and provider. But the last part is, And be the representative head of the people. That means we're called to be an example. We're called to lead. You see, leadership isn't a title. It isn't command. It's one of example and influence. Y'all know there's a difference between being a boss and being a leader. C.S. Lewis, in one of his novels, he describes kingship like this. He said, for this is what it means to be king. To be first in every desperate attack. To be last in every desperate retreat. And when there's hunger in the land, to laugh louder over a smaller meal than any man in your land. It's good. As king, we're to protect, we're to provide, but we're also to lead the way in obedience. In our families, in joy, in hope, regardless of circumstance. That's as king. How about as prophets? As prophets, we are to speak the word to our people. We are to play that role. And like I said before, we don't speak new words of revelation. If someone comes to you and say, I've got a new word from the Lord. The Lord told me. Those are some dangerous sentences because this is sealed. This is done. When we prophesy, we just hold up God's word and get out of the way. We hold this up. We say the true things from the word and get out of the way. We open the scriptures. Men, you mimic Christ when you open the scriptures in your living room. You mimic Christ when you've memorized the word so that you can speak it as you're re-roofing a house, as you're in the workplace. We mimic Christ as we speak truth into complex social situations. See, we speak the wisdom of the word to our people about the situation in the Ukraine about transgender swimmers, about global catastrophes. We speak a hope that's bigger than armies and policies and vaccines. We preach Christ and him crucified. As our role as prophets. What about priests? As priests, we're to love people, all people with the true love of Christ, and we're to speak to God on behalf of the people. Man do we labor in prayer over our families? Whether or not you're in that season of life. Are you the go-between? Do you speak to God on behalf of your kids, on behalf of your grandkids, on behalf of your future kids, on behalf of people in your church, on behalf of the young men that you're discipling? We stand in the gap. We exhort one another. We meet with one another. We encourage one another as priests. See, we offer to God the spiritual sacrifices of our bodies in holiness. That's what Romans 12 said our goal is. It says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Who presents the sacrifices? The priests. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We offer to God the spiritual sacrifices of our bodies and holiness, as our minds are being renewed by meeting with God. You're to fulfill the role of prophet, speaking the words of priests, go-between, and and. Meeting with God on the people's behalf, and as king, ruling, providing, and being an example. I mean, this all sounds great, but it is a huge calling. And, man, a lot of times we're like, this sounds great, but I'm not Jesus. I know I'm called to emulate him, but, like, I'm not him. If Moses, you, Moses, y'all, if Moses fell short, I'm going to, too. And this is where it's tempting to start reasoning like a personality profile and being like, uh, you know, I'm not really good at all of that. I, I'm, not really, I'm not really a soft person by nature. I'm not really the kind of guy that takes another guy out to coffee. I, I'm just not really comfortable with that. I'm, I'm not really a good speaker, so I, I'm not comfortable like leading my kids in Bible study. I'm, I'm not really—I don't really do good talking to folks. I got two things to say to that. Number one is shut up. And that sounds funny, but I'm not playing. Like, this is what we're called to, regardless of what we're gifted with. Seriously, uh, the second thing I—I'd I, like to say is like. You will fall short. We will. You're going to fall short in these roles. But hear me on this: there is a huge difference between falling short and stopping short. Do you understand? There's a. We're all going to fall short because we can't be Christ. But what a catastrophe if the men of God stop short willingly. That's just not my personality. Shut up. We don't get that luxury. Yes, some things are going to be difficult for us, but think about what it would look like if we stop short in these areas. If we just lean into the roles that we're good at and we stay content with that. Listen to me on this. If you, you know your personality, if you're naturally bent towards the prophet role, think about what it would look like if you neglected the other two. If you, you are bent towards the prophet role, but you neglect the king and the priest, here's what will happen you lean into the prophet but but reject the king and the priest role, then your family and your church, they'll hear the word. There'll be a lot of preaching. But if we're not praying for our family, our preaching may be without the power of the Spirit. Without tenderness, our family and our church may come to resent our words. Without leadership as a king, we might preach much and protect little. We might preach much and example little. Our our people may begin to resent the teaching if it's not coming from a tender heart that's broken over our own sin or over someone that's not striving towards their own holiness. You can't just lean into the prophet and ignore the other two. What what if you're naturally bent towards the priest role but neglect the other two? Your people may be well prayed for but never warned. We may speak much to God in our closets, but little to our wives on our porches. We may love much, but in secret. And your church may be secretly prayed for, but the message might come off as, be warm and be filled without our provision, without our words. The last one, if you're naturally bent towards being king and neglect the others, if you're the kind of guy that's just, well, I'm providing for my family, I'm protecting my family, You might be leading a nation in spiritual famine. Yeah, they're wearing Nikes, they're going to the best schools, but they're starving for the word. They're starving for a prayerful, tender heart. Prophet, priest, and king, one of them you're going to be bad at. That doesn't exempt you from it. You're going to fall short, and that's exactly why we need to fix our eyes on our example. It's exactly why we, men, need to wake up early and meet with Jesus so our hearts are transformed to be like him. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into that same image little by little by little every day. The more you look at Jesus, the more you look like Jesus, even in these roles, even in the portion that you're bad at. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. We look to Jesus and we run the race. We look to Jesus and we run the race until our churches are protected, So our kids are protected and provided for spiritually and physically until our churches and our kids are washed by the word and exhorted to holiness and reminded of grace and corrected and encouraged and prayed for and loved and brought to the throne room day after day. Man, until that day, we fight, we race, we preach, we pray, we encourage, we build, we cultivate, and we run this race with endurance, prophet, priest, and king, looking to Jesus as our example. Falling short, yes, but never stopping short. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that we would not stop short. We recognize that we will fall short. And Lord, I pray for your grace in those times. God, I pray that we would not relegate ourselves to one aspect of the word that comes easy to us, to one aspect of manhood or fathering or pastoring or mentoring that that we're best at, Lord, I pray that we would mimic you in all things, Lord. I pray that you forgive us, forgive me for where I fall, I mean, I I stop short, really. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we'd be men that um, wouldn't hem ourselves in with these imaginary boundaries of, oh, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that, Lord. I, I pray that we would really strive towards that we train ourselves towards godliness to be leaders of our families of our churches of our communities we love you lord jesus in your name we pray amen thanks for listening we hope this has encouraged you in your walk with christ be sure to give us a rating and review and for more snowbird content check out our other podcast no sanity required